You know, we live in a time, we live in a culture of people who hardly understand what surrender means. You know, in the last couple of years, our um, cultural direction has changed in this country because men refuse to surrender. I mean, I'm talking about just in the world, in the natural world that we live in, people refuse to surrender. And, and I think our climate would be so much different today than it was two years ago because men refuse to surrender. But when it comes to God, we need to surrender. There's a place of surrender. officer tells you to stop, you got to surrender. It's what the hands up is. The hands up has always been a, a symbol of surrender, right? And that's what, when we come to church, I, I'm not saying that we have to raise our hands. However, Paul did say to Timothy, lifting holy hands without wrath or doubting. So the Bible talks about lifting our hands and surrender. you know what? When you do that, I, I remember growing up in the church that I grew up in and then I went to a charismatic church. Totally different. Because I saw people actually do this to God. Physically raise their hands. And so God just wants your heart hands to be raised to Him. And if you want to carry them to your physical, you can carry them to your physical. But that's why when you look around at our church, you see hands raised up. It's because we we like to know that we're surrendered to God. God likes to know that you're surrendered to Him. That you've given yourself, you've yielded yourself, you've yielded your soul and your spirit to Him. And so we physically in our body lift our hands. So I'm going to ask you. thank you for these hands that are lifted. I thank you that there is no wrath. There's no doubting. Father, we give ourselves to you. We surrender to you. We surrender to your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us. His hands were raised and outstretched so that we could raise and outstretch arms because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. We lift our hands to you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, guiding us, and directing us as we today surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? That wasn't so bad. Good stuff, huh? Um, man, the air in this, the, the atmosphere in this room is just phenomenal. And... Um, Let's, you know, with raising our hands and submitting to God, it allows that presence to stay. Amen. So good job, you guys. You all did a great job today. Um, would you all give our worship team a hand clap? They've been, they've been working all weekend. And uh, so fantastic job, guys. All right. Uh, turn around to somebody, hello, and you can be seated.
Well, good morning. All right, thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. A little sketchy drive in this morning with the with the fog, but uh, man, it's, it's uh, we'll take any kind of moisture we can get around here right now. Amen. So, whoa, sorry about that. This starched shirt caught my mic. Um, anyways. Uh, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and I just want to say welcome. If I've never met you before, I look forward to maybe getting to do that at some point. And um, I'm, I'm a really nice person, um, and um, at least I think so. But uh, it, is, it is good to see you guys. It's good to see um, Facebook, you guys on Facebook uh, live. We thank you for joining us this morning, any platform you're joining us on. We appreciate you coming into our house as you let us come into yours. So we appreciate you guys. Um, man, had a, had a ladies' conference here this weekend. And uh, man, it's been good. Hi, Hopi. How are you? Good, good. It's good to, good to see Hopi again, uh, especially on the front row. You know, uh, back in 1991, I um, decided to get a real job. <laughs> That's... I was, I was working on a cutting horse ranch, and I thought, you know what, this ain't going to sustain my life, so I need to get a real job. So I got a real job and, um, at, a, at a big company, kind of a career job, and one of the first people I met was this lovely lady sitting on the front row next to my wife, Steph Gardner, and um, she was working at the same place I was and um, back in Oklahoma, and through our Knowing each other there at work, uh, got to know her husband, Grant, and he, uh, they are my best friends from Oklahoma. They've stuck with us for 30 years, man, 30 years. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, we've, we've walked through hell together. And, um, and I mean, I knew them before I knew my wife. And they were very thankful when I found my wife because I... <laughs> I dated some doozies, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, anyways, Steph, good to have you here. Um, Heather, uh, man, good to see you guys here. Heather and her mom Judy. Uh, of course, you know, probably know Trey Johnson who comes in. This is his best half, and uh, definitely the best looking half. Anyways, uh, you know. Trey's pretty, but I, you know, you're, you're all right. So a lot prettier than he is. So anyways, um, it's, it's good to see you guys this morning. And, and I, I uh, really covet your prayers as I move into this message today. I appreciate you. Um, anyways, let's get into things this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you would go over to Matt, uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to go. And last week I got to do... Uh, um, really cool thing that um, I don't know if I heard anybody else say this, but God said it to me, so I'm, I preached it last weekend, where um, Jesus, John the Baptist and Jesus preached the same messages, and, and they preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what I talked about last weekend was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus had a real big spot in his ministry that people need to understand the kingdom. 
what the kingdom is all about, the kingdom that he came from, this kingdom of heaven that a lot of times we think is far off. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, probably most of you, whether you've been to church or not, have heard the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew chapter 6. It, it says um, um, that <laughs> Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. You've heard that before, right? Your kingdom come. That's at the beginning of the prayer. He, he uh, really focuses in on the kingdom in this prayer. Because at the first of it, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Remember that? Then at the end of that prayer, he says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. See, Jesus bookends his prayer. And it's not just his prayer. It was a way of praying. He was trying to tell people the way of praying. But he bookends it with the kingdom in the beginning and the kingdom in the end. So whenever we're in prayer and communication with God, we've got to understand that our prayers are kingdom-focused prayers. It's, it's, it's where God is. It's where God resides. And when, and when Jesus said, um, the kingdom is at hand, he's saying, look, as far as you can reach out in front of you, they're just on the other side of the veil of, of where we live, this, this place we live in, heaven is just right here. Heaven's not far off in space. Heaven is at hand. It's drawn near. It's within reach so that we can reach into the heavens. As Christians, we can reach into that heaven and pull heaven in our, into our reality. We can pull heaven into the reality of who we are and heaven into the reality of whoever we're with. The atmosphere of your car, the atmosphere of your house, the atmosphere of your job is nothing more or or not harder than to reach out into that other place and bring it into the the now. And so that's what we kind of talked about a little bit last week. And if you didn't, if you weren't here, you didn't hear that. I, I encourage you, go get our podcast or go back in Facebook Live. And see, if you go into Facebook Live, um, you get to see me. And it's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> that ain't funny. Break my arm trying to pat myself on the back. But see, when we start, when we begin to understand that, what, uh, what we begin to understand is that God has given us the ability and he's given us the capacity to access the kingdom of heaven, the heavenly realm. We have access to that. It's not far off. Jesus said it's near. It's near as within reach of, of who you are, reach of who he is and of reach of your hand. It's right there. It's right there. So when we begin to do that, what we've got to understand is that there is an exchange that takes place to get heaven into our now. There's an exchange because our hands are open into that place. And when our hands are open, we can receive what heaven has to offer. Every promise that's mentioned in the Bible is the heavenly realm of God that we can bring into our reality. And so here in Mark chapter 10, I begin to see some things 
um, this week that um, some of the things I'd written down for last week and didn't get to use them, some, some things end up on the cutting room floor, and uh, that way I can go back and get them. And so I was really crawling on the floor a lot to <laughs> pick up those things. But here in Mark chapter 10, I want to I share with you a story that, um, that is here that, that happened to Jesus um, and uh, towards the end of his ministry, it wasn't quite the end. It was probably about, uh, you know, three to six months before the, um, not the end of his ministry, but the end of his life uh, on earth that he could continue his ministry through us. And so he encountered this guy um, who we a lot of times call the rich young ruler. And here in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says it this way. It says, now he, Jesus, was going out on the road And one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the man answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven uh, and and, and come, take up your cross and follow me. Verse 22 says, But he was sad. At this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you that whenever we read your word, whenever we share your word out out loud, that God, there is a blessing. There is blessing that you add to your word. And so, Father, I pray that today miracle signs and wonders would follow your word. I thank you that we would be able to hear the word and receive it, that I would be able to speak the word and, and speak into the depths of the hearts of each and every person. I thank you, Father, for your word, and I ask you to bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Several years ago, we were watching TV, and there was a TV show on called Wife Swap. Do you ever remember Wife Swap? It was... Quite an idea that they had, uh, that the, the production company had for this, this show called Wife Swap. And if you've never seen it before or if you have, you kind of know the, the, the premise behind it. And what they would do is they would take two housewives or two wives, usually from separate parts of the country, take them and, and bring them into... Um, uh, another household. They would take two wives from two parts of the country, two household, diff- usually different household uh, dynamics, and, and they would bring them into two different household cultures. And, um, you know, one, one of their things was to, to get the total opposite of the other house, you know, and, um, which caused a lot of problems. <laughs> but <clears throat> so when the wives got to their new home, the first week was all about them, the wife that come in, had to submit to the culture 
of the house that they're coming into. Then in the second week, the family of the house they came into now has to go to their house rules, what they do at their home. And, and so there's a lot of adapting that takes place. There's a lot of tension that takes place. And, and the whole, uh, you know, I believe that the whole vision behind that was twofold. Uh, first and foremost, it was supposed to be entertainment. Most of the time it was pretty entertaining. Um, but the second part of the vision for this show, I, I think, was the, the family's ability to adapt to, to doing things and trying to gather the best of both worlds. You know, what good things we have in our house and what good things this person is bringing into our house and try to combine them, see where they're at so that they can be better. After a couple of seasons, um, it didn't happen that way. You know, I guess the producers found out that it was pretty boring doing that. So they added some entertainment value to it, and, and that's what it became in the end was just entertainment. But when I began to look at this story with the, with the ruler, the rich man, and Jesus, um, it's, it was, it's all about exchange and how Jesus brings things, just like the wife swap deal, he brings something into our lives, and there's something that we bring into his life. There is an exchange that happens. And Jesus is, is if, if I were to make a TV show with Jesus in mind, it would call, be called Life Swap. Because it is a life swap. We, we surrender our lives to him while he gives us his life, that heavenly life. And it is, it is a life swap. So that's what, in, in Mark chapter 10, that's what Jesus was speaking to this young man. He was, he was talking to him and he was saying, look, you know, if, if you want eternal life, if you want something that's going to bring heaven into your now, he, Jesus threw out there for the value to, to see what this guy's value was uh, toward what he would, the question he was asking. Jesus threw out there, you know, have you done these commandments? And he names six commandments that he, he gives to this guy. And the guy says, I've been doing that all my life. That, that, that is a lifestyle. And if that's his life, why is he still asking for eternal life? What, what he's got to do to, to have eternal life. And, and he said, you know, my lifestyle is I do, I do heed the commandments of God. I've been doing it all my life. And Jesus um, pushed on in to see what his value was. See, the, um, the true test that Jesus was giving him to see if he really wanted to have this relationship with Jesus, Jesus pushed into that, and, and he said this. He said, uh, man, you've you got to sell what you have. You've got to sell what you have. Now, now, we know the word have there. I mean, the word have is something we use probably several times a day in, in the sense of a sentence. But when you look at the word have in the Greek, this is what it means. The word have there that Jesus said, sell what you have, means what you hold in your hand or what you obtain and grasp. He says, whatever you're holding, he says, sell whatever you're holding in your hand. 
Because when we hold something in our hand, it is, it is what we value. It is, it is what we count as worth to us. And Jesus is saying, let go of what you have so that you can receive what I have. That's a great exchange. Let go. He's telling the rich young ruler, let go of what you hold dear um, so that you can make room in your hand for heaven. See, when we are in this earthly realm, there's things that are very important to us. But Jesus is saying, I want to be the most important thing to you. Open your hand and let go of what you hold dear. Reach into my heaven and I'll make sure that you get back what you let go. When, when the young man heard what Jesus said, it says that he walked away sad because he had great possessions. He walked away sad and sorrowful because he had great possessions. He felt like his possessions were more important than following this man. Now, what I've heard traditionally is that this man, this rich young ruler, was... Um, was um, Gosh, I just lost his name. Um, uh, Paul, Paul and, not Silas, but Barnabas. I, I had heard. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <clears throat> what I'd heard in tradition wise that this man was Barnabas. He eventually comes to that reality and, and becomes a great evangelist. Uh, with with the Apostle Paul. But the fact of the matter is, in this place, in this moment, this rich man had so so many possessions and they meant so much to him that when Jesus told him to let go of those things so that he could have a relationship with him, Jesus, or, or this man, became sad and sorrowful and he walked away. See, Jesus wasn't saying that if you do the commandments, then you'll have eternal life. Jesus was saying that if you'll begin to let go of those things and step into my world, that is where eternal life comes from. When we follow Jesus, he said, come and follow me. That's all he ever asks of us, is to follow him, to follow him. It says that great possessions had, or he had great possessions. And I write in my Bible in this story, always, if I get a new Bible, I go to this story and I'll write in, because great possessions had him. He had great possessions, but great possessions had him. And and so um, Jesus here, um, he goes on, look look at verse 23. After the man walks away, it says, then, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God.
That is a hard, difficult saying. Because what it looks like is that Jesus may be against the rich or he may be against money. But Jesus was never against riches. He wasn't against money. He wasn't against this guy who was rich. He didn't say it was impossible for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of God. He said it's difficult. He simply just said it is difficult. And then he says this. He says, and this is where people get tripped up a lot of times. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is to get in to, to, than it is for the king, rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, have you ever seen a camel? They're big. And have you ever seen a needle? That's small. That's impossible to try to fit this gnarly animal. I always heard that uh, a camel was a um, was built by a committee trying to build a horse. <laughs> Anyways, um, so a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. It's it's impossible. But what is being said here, and I, I believe with all my heart, sometimes there's an argument over this scripture between theologians and things like that. But anyways, the the piece that I've heard about this is that the eye of a needle, that was the term for when, you know, back then the kingdoms, the, the cities were walled off. And at night they would shut the big gates of the city to get in and out because they didn't want the enemy to be sneaking in overnight. And so they would shut the gates, but then they had a little cutout with a gate in it in the, in the wall that was called the eye of the needle. And so if somebody came up um, trying to get into the city after the, the sun went down, after they closed the gates, they could, instead of staying on the outside of the city until morning, they would take their camel and they would have to unpack it, take all their stuff off the camel, have the camel get down on its knees and go through that difficult little hole in the wall in order to get in. It was not, if that's called the eye of the needle, it's not impossible. It's just difficult to get into the city. And, and I, th- I believe that's what Jesus was talking about. He was telling his, his uh, disciples, it's, it's easier um, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which would be that little door, than, than to, uh, rich, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The reason being, like this rich young ruler, He had great possessions. And all Jesus was asking him is, will you let go and unpack all the stuff that you hold dear so that you can come into the safety of the kingdom? And and you you can drag all that stuff through into the kingdom and put it back on your camel. But this is what I'm telling you is that it's difficult. It's, It's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take a little bit of sacrifice. It's going to take a little bit of surrender in order to get through that eye of the needle. And Jesus was talking about this, and he's talking to this to his disciples. And it says his disciples were astonished. Do you know what astonished is? I used to watch a TV show when I was a kid called The Little Rascals. You ever see The Little Rascals? And, you know, one of the stars was Spanky. Everybody loves Spanky. But Spanky had a face. Whenever he would, somebody would say something to him astonishingly, he'd go... (laughs) 
when Jesus said this to the disciples, they all went. <laughs> and, I, and I believe that they were astonished because every one of them had been life swapped. They had life swapped everything that identified them or that they held a value. They gave up businesses. They gave up money. They gave up um, their life doing what they do in order to follow Jesus. And that's, that's why they were astonished. Because they realized that this man who walked away sad and sorrowful valued his stuff, his possessions, more than he valued following Jesus. And that they had given up everything in their life to follow Jesus. Because the the value of following Jesus is beyond what anyone can do on their own. You can't buy the kingdom of heaven. You've got to to let go of, of the physical in order to reach into heaven to bring it into now. That's the exchange. The money is not the exchange. When you go to a store and buy something, there is an exchange that happens when you get to the counter and check out because you can't have what's on the conveyor belt until you give up what you've got in your wallet. When you give up what you've got in the currency in your hands, then you can take your groceries home. Right? There, there, there is an exchange. And, and when we become followers of Christ, when we become Christians, we step into a place where we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Because Jesus' purpose, his purpose by coming to this earth now becomes our purpose. What was Jesus' purpose? Acts 10.38 says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost or with Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus' purpose was not to... Sometimes we think that Jesus' purpose is just to bring salvation. It is to bring salvation, but it was to heal the sick. He went about doing good, healing the sick, and, and getting rid of, of the oppression of the devil. Salvation is first and foremost, but the salvation brings that into our purpose. His purpose becomes our purpose. Our purpose is to go about doing good and healing all that, um, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen? But there's, there's, uh, there's an exchange. There is a currency in the kingdom. There's a currency in the kingdom. When we, uh, several years ago, I think it's 2007, we went to Australia and, um, you know, Australia doesn't take U.S. dollars. 
what we would have to do is go to a bank, take our U.S. dollars, and exchange them for Australian dollars, our Australian currency. There is a currency exchange. And when we come into the kingdom of heaven, when we become Christ followers, there is also a currency exchange. That currency exchange is called faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. If you want to reach into heaven and reach beyond this veil that you can't see what's on the other side, all you can see is here in, this, in, in the earth, it's, it's when we reach into heaven that we've got to use the currency. Is that making sense? See, the currency of this world cannot buy what heaven has stored up for us. But to access the kingdom of heaven or access the kingdom at all, you have to have the right currency for the exchange. And that young man in, that Jesus was talking to, that Jesus encountered, that young man missed out on how to access the kingdom of heaven. He missed out on that. I mean, if anybody should have been sad, it was Jesus should have been sad because he had, he had a great plan and a great vision for him in that moment. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven has its own currency. Look at, uh, you, you don't have to turn over there, you can write this down, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's a pretty um, famous scripture among churches. It says, um, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. See, what, what we can't see is beyond this veil that we are living in. Everything that God has, every promise that is, is given to us in his word is beyond this veil of what we can see with our eyes. You with me? And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you want to get what God has promised to you, if you want to get what Jesus died on the cross gave you, then you have to go beyond because it's not seen, but it can be had by faith. By faith. When, when, um, when the writer of Hebrews says that now faith is the substance, that word substance means that it's tangible, valuable, and worthy for the things hoped for. When the doctor gives you a diagnosis, that is your reality. But the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes you were healed. The, the Bible says that, that he has healed you of all your diseases. But how do we grasp that? We grasp that by faith. When the doctor gives you a diagnosis, it should, uh, in, in our Christian walk, it should bring about hope in our life. The word hope means an intense, an intense expectation. Now, 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's the evidence of things. It brings the evidence of things not seen to purchase that what God, to purchase what God has promised. We have to take that currency of faith and exchange it to take that currency of faith that's, that, that we've been given through the word of God and begin to reach into heaven, to grasp a hold and bring heaven into our situation. But there's an exchange. It's called faith. Reaching beyond the veil of our reality with faith that accesses heaven because faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's a currency that buys God's promise. In Romans chapter 4, Abraham, it says that Abraham in the Old Testament, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I love that word accounted there because in the Amplified Bible, it says that, that uh, Abraham's faith was credited to him. Credited. When, uh, when our paycheck comes and goes into your bank account, it's been credited to your account. It comes into this account. Now we have currency to exchange, right? We have the ability to exchange because we've been credited. We've been credited. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited, credited, <laughs> say that real fast three times, um, credited to him for righteousness. So he had this thing. See, when, when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, Abraham was 85 years old the first time. And then again, at 100 years old, God promised him, hey, I mean, this, this guy waited 15 years. It's hard for us to wait 15 minutes when God says something, when he t- gives us a promise. Uh, you know, if we don't have it, you know, like McDonald's in a minute and a half, we get upset. But Abraham waited 15 years. He believed God for years. And he continued to exchange, exchange, exchange. As a matter of fact, Sarah was older as well. And I'm pretty sure she went, stop trying to exchange, Bubba. God promised, but I'm 75 years old. (laughs) And you're making moves. <laughs> I got to move. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, that intense expectation. Um, hope empowered by the word of God deposits faith into our account. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. When we begin to be accredited, that faith, that faith comes into our account. When we, when we have that faith in our account, now we can exchange it in the kingdom of heaven to bring the reality of the promise of God's word to who we are. I think when, when I hear that, when I think about that, 
I think of the woman with the issue of blood. In, um, it's in Matthew chapter 9. talks about this woman who had a blood flow in her body for 12 years. She'd spent all of her money. She had spent all of her currency. She had given to the doctors to try to figure out what's going on, going on in her body. And it's not, the doctors couldn't help her. And because she had this continual blood flow in her body, um, they, the Jewish culture would not allow her to come into, um, boy, we know what that's like now, and it, it would not allow her to come into society. She had to stay six foot apart <laughs> and, and wear a mask if she, had, if she came in. If she came into society, she had to, she had to yell out, unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Thank God we don't have to do that right now. Well, vaccination passport, huh? I don't have one. I'm unclean. That is not in my notes, and, and I probably shouldn't go there. But, but here this woman was dealing with this issue in her body, and, and she's a good Jewish woman. I know that she's heard uh, the, the word of God. She's heard the word of God all her life. See, in, in Malachi, in the, in the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, in the fourth chapter, it said, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. That son of righteousness is Jesus. And it says there'll be healing in his wings. The, uh, the word healing in his wings, or the word wings there, refers to the prayer shawl that the Jews wore, especially those who were rabbis and things like that. They wore this prayer shawl. At the end of those prayer shawl were the, what they call the tzitzit, which is the tassels that hang on the hem of this garment. And Jesus had that garment. And so she had heard this word that the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. And she pushed her way into that crowd, not being vaccinated, (laughs) and grabbed a hold of the hem of the garment and healing came from what she knew what the word was. See, it was a promise in the word. And she just simply took the hope that Jesus was the son of righteousness and reached in and grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. And it's not a move of the spirit, it's a fly. <clears throat> she received heaven at the end of her hand. So when we think about the rich young ruler, this rich man that Jesus encountered, Jesus wanted to bring life into his hands um, like, like Jesus does every human. He just wants us to surrender what we hold dear to us so that we can empty our hands so he can give us what holds dear to him and we can bring it in to who we are. <clears throat> See, the matters of our life that are beyond the means of our humanity can only be received by the exchange of faith in our life. And faith 
um, in Romans, I think it's Romans 10 that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've always been taught and, and I've always taught that the words faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those two words together, hearing and hearing, means a continual hearing of the word. It's not just reading the word one time. Read it one time, but then go back and hear it again. Go back and read it again. Because faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing dot, dot, dot. Because God knows how important it is that when we hear his word over and over and over, it builds our faith to where we have an account that we don't have to worry about insufficient funds. We can reach into that account of faith and exchange what we have heard him say. Can only be received... The kingdom of heaven can only be received by the exchange of the currency of faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you four. I'm, I'm closing up. And I want to give you four, what I call four primary means to obtaining kingdom currency. This is how we obtain in our account faith as a believer. Number one, you ready? Number one Spend time in the Word of God. You have to spend time. There, there, is, there is more stuff that comes along in our life, um, more stuff that, that, that uh, takes us into a place of less time. So we have to be intentional about spending time with God, spending time in His Word, especially if we've got stuff going on, if you've been diagnosed with something, if you, your finances aren't going well, if relationships around you are beginning to collapse, you need to go spend time in the Word with God. We ask Him in prayer to help us, but He says, I'll help you. I've given you my Word in order to build your account of faith so that you can reach into heaven and bring my promise that I've shown you into reality. And the only way to do that is to spend time in his word. Spend time in his word because it, it brings about hope, that intense expectation, expectation that is developed and brought faith, bringing faith into your account. So number one, you got to spend time in the word of God. Number two, believe God's word. Believe what he says. There's so many times that we, it's easy for us to read what we believe but not believe what we read. And God is saying, you've, when you get into the Bible, you've got to believe what you read, not just read what you believe. You've got to believe what you read. You know, it, it may go totally cross-grain to the, to the way that you were raised, whatever church you were raised in. Well, my church didn't preach it that way. Well, I don't care what your church preached. It's what, the, what matters is what the Word of God says. So are you going to believe what you read or are you going to read only what you believe? So number two, believe what God's Word says. Number three, put voice to what God says. That woman with the issue of blood, 
She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. See, she had heard her, uh, what put faith into her doing this is that she had heard that the son of righteousness, in, in the last days, there are the, there's the son of righteousness that will arise with healing in his wings. And that's when she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She put voice to what she believed. If I could just touch those wings, if I could just get my hands on the hem of his garment, she began to voice that. And when she began to voice that, it's not that you've got to convince everybody else. It's that you've got to convince yourself. So when you hear yourself say that, you're exercising Romans. Chapter 10, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Amen? And number four, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. <clears throat> since, 19, uh, since 2016, since 2016, when the doctor diagnosed me, what he said was my reality. And still, to certain degrees, is my reality. The diagnosis um, sucks. It sucks when I'm dealing with it and stuff like that. And it's been, I mean, what, 2016? It's been five years since the doctor diagnosed me. But the thing about it is, is I cannot lose heart in what God said that I'm healed. That you're healed. Because what the Word of God has said, He says, don't lose heart. I like what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6. He said, do not grow weary in doing well. Even if you're not seeing God's promise come to pass in your life, continue believing that. Continue voicing that. Continue uh, pulling the Word of God into your life because it's building up your account. And, and it's really easy after time to lose heart. Especially when you've had so many people pray over you. Had so many people rub the hair off the top of your head <laughs> praying for you. And, and it not, not seeing immediate results. The fact of the matter is, is that don't grow weary in doing well, for it will you you will reap if you don't faint, if you don't stop believing, if you don't stop exchanging, continue to exchange, continue to exchange. So spend time in the Word, believe what God's Word says, put voice to what God's Word says, and don't lose heart. Every promise that God has made to us can be grasped and accessed by the exchange with the currency of faith. Amen? As the writer of Hebrews said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We can't always see it, but by the faith that has been placed on the inside of us through the Word of God and His promises, we can exchange for what God has given us. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, it is called, that's what we've deemed as the hall of fame of faith. 
Hall of Fame of Faith. And it goes through a list, a laundry list of people, Abraham and Solomon and David and, and uh, all these men and women who have believed God, taken his promise. And towards the end of that chapter, it says that there are some who died never seeing the results but they still exchanged their faith and did not give up because they will receive, they will see it by the time this is all said and done they will see their faith come to pass and you will too because we walk by faith and not by sight second corinthians 5 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight the word walk means to make a lifestyle to make a life swap that the the as a follower of Jesus you've been given his life and being given his life being given his life means that you enter into his lifestyle not your own surrender in the in the great words of Disney let it go let it go. You got to let it go in order to receive. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you, God, for each and every person that you brought here today. And I, I pray that the simplicity of that word, that God, that, um, of faith is the currency of your kingdom. Father, I pray that today we would make room in our accounts as Christ followers, we make room in our accounts to be credited with faith, faith, and more faith. Expand our accounts, God of faith. And I thank you for where you are taking us and where we're going. But Father God, I pray that this morning, if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice or out in um, technology land or wherever, who is hearing me right now, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I pray that you would make that exchange. Just like the rich young rulers, put aside everything that you know and you have power over and give to Jesus. Receive him today. I'll tell you how easy it is. It's exactly what he told the rich young ruler. He said, let go of what you have and come and follow me. Every one of Jesus' disciples answered his question of will you come and follow me? It wasn't about them praying a prayer, walking an aisle, raising a hand. It was, it, that, that stuff's not wrong. But Jesus simply said, will you come and follow me? Now Jesus is locking eyes with you. If you never become a follower of Jesus, this is the time you need to say yes. It's that simple. Just say yes. I'll come and follow you. I don't know what that all looks like. I've been doing this for 30, over 30 years, and I don't even know what it looks like to its fullest yet. Being a Christ follower is an adventure. It's an adventure in faith. So if you've never asked him to be a part of your life, just say yes to him today. Father, I thank you for, for those that are saying yes. I thank you for those that are... Um, surrendering their life to you right now. God, as they let go of their great possessions, I pray. 
I pray, God, that they would come and follow you. God, I thank you and I praise you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross for us. I thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, we who have heard this word today will receive Jesus and follow him. And it will be accounted into our, into our lives as righteousness for exchange into the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you, if you received him today, you need to let somebody know. Because if you, if you can't tell somebody that you received Jesus in this place, in this safe place, you're not going to be able to tell them out there. So before you get out of here today, if you said yes to Jesus for the first time, or you said yes to Jesus today for the 101st time, tell somebody. Share with them what you've done and that you've become a follower of Jesus Christ. So with that, thank you guys for coming today. I'm going to turn it over to Kelsey. And I just know I love you and I pray for you all the time.